I'm Alex, and this is the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode 30. 30! 30! As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath, Chris and Dom. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, Alex. Hi there. How are we all? Fine. Absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Do you remember my B-bar? Why? Yes, because it's starting ago. to sprout. It's, I've got the first sprout. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> it doesn't it's matter. Like, it's, it's green and it's kind of little sticky. No leaves yet. It's just kind of popping out and it's very exciting. How it just kind of fills, fills, me with, fills me with hope. Great. <laughs> I'm so pleased it's green. <laughs> There's a certain logic to it, isn't there? Yeah. I have noticed the daffodils have been Ooh. coming out the last couple of weeks. There's a... There's a residential home for older people at the end of our street, and I kind of do do the circuit with the dog because mm-hmm. he's he's quite old now; he doesn't need to go too far. But the daffodils oh. are springing up, and uh, yeah, I think a, I think a couple more weeks, and they'll be uh, in bloom. So yeah, looking forward to that. Great. Yeah. When the snow was on the ground, there were there were some quite unusual um, footprints or paw prints in the in the garden. So I'm. Um, Intrigued, I think it oh, might be the fox. I was hoping for Bigfoot. <laughs> well, in in comparison to the to the cat paw marks, it, it definitely <laughs> was Bigfoot. <laughs> I've also been getting creative. Do you want to see Ooh. some of the things I've been making? I know this doesn't quite work this on the audio work. podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to show everyone here. Um, one of the oh, things wow. that I've discovered um, <laughs> is the, the joy of sea glass sea glass hunting i don't take i don't take all of it you know you have to leave some for everyone else but there's something so therapeutic about you know looking for it on the beach and i've been making little 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 birdies little birdies out of sea glass yeah nice have you ever have you ever come across booty yes yeah that's that's a variation on that isn't it yeah but it's china rather than glass so I, I get uh, I get double the joy. I get the joy of looking for it, and then the joy of uh, making something with it. So uh, I've been quite enjoying that the last mm. couple of weeks. That's mm. cool. What's Bodhi, Kath? Bodhi. What is Bodhi. 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 Sorry. Bo- Bodhi. Bodhi. <laughs> Come on, don't get your Jordy accent right. <laughs> Bodhi. What's Bodhi? Yeah, Why Kath. What's Bodhi like? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's broke broken um, gro- broken plateware. So if you smash a plate, you can you can reformat that into um, mosaic. Mm. But if particularly colour coats was where I've heard it talked about in particular, mm. they would they would pick up the pieces that had come in on the tide, but and it had the edges smoothed off, mm. and then they would play with it. They'd make make booty money, and play like housewife little girl housewife games and things. But if you go into Beamish, Beamish Museum, we've got a booty collection mm-hmm. and that, that's where it's been sort of creatively crafted into new plates. Oh, nice. um, wow. Yeah, booty. I've got a mirror from that stall at the Quayside Market um, and that's all made up of broken pottery and things mm. and then the mirror in the middle. It's very nice. Very nice indeed. Mm. Anyway, shall we crack on and introduce this week's guest interview? Yep. No. I haven't, no. Told, you I, I haven't told you what I've been doing. Oh. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> feelings. I've got feelings, you know. <laughs> 
All right, Get Dom. All right, Dom. What have Come you been on, up what to? Is it? <laughs> well, you should ask. <laughs> I, no, it's a small thing, but um, I discovered this week that um, you know Bjork, the singer. Yes. Yeah. Her songs are ten times better if you sing them with a Geordie accent. <laughs> I need a demo. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's Venus as a band. There's a pretty good one. <laughs> but um, and she, like, I'm going hunting. And uh, oh, I don't know. It's just, you pick one. Pick a song. It's really it's re- re- quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, so quiet. Oh, so quiet. <laughs> Another big riot. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> but yeah, all Bjork songs. We need a Geordie Bjork. If you know anybody. Uh, this is a call to um, all the performers we've worked with in the past. If anybody's there up for being be. a Geordie Bjork, just for my savage amusement, <laughs> get in touch at the usual address. But Nirvana Elvis, surely we can have yes. uh, Geordie Bjork. Why not? Geordie Why Bjork, not? Come Absolutely. On. Shall we introduce this week's guest interview now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This week's interview is with Stee Dunn, who is director of Northern Pride, and we had a great conversation about the Pride Festival, amongst many other things. I hope you enjoy the interview because I certainly enjoyed talking to him. So here's Stee. A very warm welcome to the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Thank you so much for joining me this morning on this rather snowy morning. We've woken up to quite a lot of snow. Um, <laughs> I don't know about whether you've got snow where you are. Yes, plenty of it. <laughs> my my daughter's already been out in it. First thing she asked me this morning was, can I have a carrot? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Off you go. Out you get. <laughs> Would you mind just um, telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, certainly. So I'm Steve Dunn. I use the pronouns he, him, and I'm the director of Northern Pride, um, among other things. Um, but that's mainly what I'm focusing on at the moment. Um, I'm what, let's just say I'm mid to late thirties. We'll not, will not be too specific. Um, and I'm yeah, in a, got a really strong family unit here. I've got my partner, Richard, and my wonderful daughter, who is Lexi, and she's nine, coming up ten, getting far too old and far too big and far too bossy, should we say. I know. I never used to sort of believe people when they would say, you know, they grow up so fast. <laughs> they, <laughs> they do, don't they? Because I've, I've got an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old, and, yeah, doesn't feel like five minutes that they were little babies and gone uh, in the flash. Absolutely. I mean, at the time when you're living it and they're not sleeping and you're not sleeping, <laughs> or, it doesn't feel like <laughs> it's going past quickly. Uh, there is but that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the other things, you know, you, 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 what, what are those other things? What else are you up to? Um, so I'm a business consultant. So I support um, third sector organizations and charities and also small local businesses, um, just with a bit of um, business advice and guidance, um, specifically on brand, um, improving brand awareness, um, comms and marketing strategies to kind of get those brands out there. So currently supporting um, a sustainable shop at the moment, as well as a um, a mini business improvement district uh, based in Lawfell to really help um, the local shops in that area um, be more visible to the customers, especially during the pandemic when many of them are forced to close. 
Yeah, I bet it's been a really challenging time for people, hasn't it? It has. Um, it's you know it's been challenging for everybody across yeah, yeah. across the globe. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of one of these things where you know for me it's a case of looking at how you can adapt how you can change how you work how you can change how you can serve customers um to keep that momentum going keep spirits high um and still serve customers um and you know make sure that customers are wanting to shop local and support local and independent businesses i've certainly seen a lot of that yeah supporting local businesses definitely and we we've been trying to do it more as well um so yeah that's something really good to see there's a great great bakery around our way which uh like to sort of get a few bits and pieces not good for the waste <laughs> not good for the waistline but uh, good for, for the, the taste economics. bugs yeah good for the economics <laughs> <laughs> so how's your week been so far can you tell us something that's good that's happened to you recently that you'd like to share um well to be honest i i took my daughter sledging last night um we we went um late afternoon and that was that was interesting because we went to the town where um, I was telling my partner that, that it'll be the perfect spot. There'll be plenty of snow. We got there. There was hardly any. No. Um, <laughs> but there was enough to just to get going. Um, unfortunately, I decided to have a go on the sledge. And skidded, yeah, just went flying <laughs> across a sheet of ice, um, which then broke, not because of my weight. I'm sure it was just because of physics. Um, but the ice gave way and into the muddy puddle I went. And this was at the beginning of the adventure. So I, oh. I was literally drenched for a while in the freezing cold. But it, it was beautiful. We had a, such a, a good laugh. There was loads of people around. Um, and I think what was pretty amazing is being stood on the tall hills on the moor. Um, you kind of forget where you are a little bit and you can see for miles around around the region. And what was really interesting at one point is we just saw um, probably beyond Gosforth, we just saw this blackness arrive in the sky from nowhere. And before we knew it, we win this blizzard at the top of the hill. Um, but it was it was amazing. It was a really good adventure. It was it was definitely worth doing. And then unfortunately, we woke up this morning to more snow. So as you can imagine, it I'm getting it in the neck now. To can we go again? <laughs> There's something about the town more, isn't there? That yeah, as you say, you get that great view across the city at the top. But it it seems to be the go-to place for yeah sledging at this time of year. And I always kind of forget about the cows as well. There's just, (laughs) they just kind of become, you know, yeah, part of the furniture. It's like normal to have cows in the middle of the city, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Um, this is the thing because obviously the the town was our um, kind of ancestry, kind of like, key home for for northern pride um and we we work really well with the freemen of newcastle who who own the land and and own the beast um that graze the land and there's a few tales that i possibly shouldn't share about the 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 cows on the field <laughs> and pride events but they're very very nosy and they love to come up to the harris fence and see what's going on and have a and have a good old neb um but it, it, it's amazing because you learn so many facts about the fact that you know this green open space in Newcastle is the you know, one of the largest in Europe it is, um, yeah. for a city to, to have this kind of space that is agricultural. It's there for farming. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great space. Love it. Um, do you consider yourself to be a generally happy person, positive person? How do you describe your personality? Um, so kind of really outgoing and um, bubbly and, 
um I think I've already said it to you in the past when we've caught up that yes, I am a waffler and I can talk for England. <laughs> it's fine, it's um, fine. <laughs> I love a good cuddle, which is not happening during the pandemic. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, I, I quite often get in my own mind and second guess things and question things and think things through. And um I probably spend more time thinking about uh, different routes a conversation can go down or actions can result in before I actually do the do. And then it's a case of it was never what I thought it was going to be. Um, so that's that's probably my downside. So you mentioned you've mentioned Northern Pride a couple of times. Um, yes. What's your involvement in it? Can you tell us, you know, for people perhaps who don't know what Northern Pride is, can yeah. you just perhaps, you know, tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so Northern Pride is um, the Northeast's largest LGBTQ plus uh, charity um we are mainly known for putting on the northern pride festival which happens in july um like many other pride events across the across the city they can the, the country in the world um but we do a lot of outreach work in the community we support other charities and, and other community groups um and i suppose my role has evolved over time i've been with the the group now for about um coming up six years um and i started as a volunteer um, as a photographer, which is kind of like one of my hobbies. And you just, you know, you get really involved and engrossed in the charity and you can see how you can add value. So I started doing some work for them as um, a communication and marketing manager. Um, slowly, I was asked to, to join the board of trustees to help move the organization forward. Um, and then in 2018, I was elected chair, um, which exciting. yeah, um, was absolutely amazing. There's a slight title change it's now referred to as director, but the responsibilities haven't changed necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of responsible and accountable for um, the direction of travel that the charity's going in and, you know, making sure that the finances are right, making sure that the organisation is working, supporting the team of volunteers that we have all of it really um but how you know does that, it, how does that feel um I, I would probably say to begin with it was incredibly scary there's you know yeah. we put an event on where we have around forty thousand people come over the weekend that's a lot of responsibility to make sure the event is is safe and it's secure and you know and pleasurable to attend you know it's that you know people want to come and have a good time um but you know, it's not it's not me. It's a complete full team effort. Um, everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a role to do, um, and it's a jigsaw. You know, Pride as an organisation is a jigsaw. Everybody has a, a piece to play, and you know, if a piece is missing or a piece isn't there, then you know, there's a gap to fill, and you know, that might you know kind of struggle us to to deliver the event the size it is. Um, so I couldn't be more grateful for the team that. I'm surrounded by. I've been involved in a couple of the parades over the years through Newcastle Roller Derby. We always, you know, turn up on our roller skates and then <laughs> attempt to skate down Northumberland Street, which has more of an incline than you think yes. when you're on skates. So, yeah, always uh, good for practising your stopping. Um, <laughs> but it always seems like such a joyous, happy occasion. Um, yes. Everyone taking part is having a great time. Um, the crowds having a great time looking at all of the costumes and everything that's coming through. Is is that how you see it? Uh, none of the time. I see, <laughs> I see it very stressful. Um, we, we quite laugh um, as a group 
um, because we're very much in the moment. We're very much kind of thinking about, you know, two steps ahead about what's happening. And the parade you mentioned there, you know, we, um, the last time we did it, which unfortunately was 2019 yeah. um, because of the pandemic, the last time we did it, we had over 22,000 people wow. on that parade. Um, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And, and you know, what was fascinating um, in 2019 is that the head of the parade is it kind of does a bit of a U, a U kind of shape pattern through the city starting at the civic ending up in exhibition park the the head of the parade passes the civic as the tail is still starting <laughs> and you know I, I laugh about it now but i'm thinking at what point in what year do we have to take a different route to to make it longer so there isn't some form of crossover um, oh, it reminds well, me of that game that used to get on the Nokia phone, you know, the uh, snake, snake. <laughs> it gets longer and longer and longer. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, you know, we we always get to the end of the Sunday and we have a candlelit vigil. Um, and that's really a, a time for us all to reflect on why pride exists, the, the fight that still continues for many people um, at home and abroad. Um, but that's also a time for us as a committee to be able to reflect on what we've been able to achieve, um, to what we've been able to successfully deliver for our community. Um, there's always learns, there's always things that we can change and improve on, and we, we continually try to do that year on year. But there's always this sense of um, almost like, it sounds corny, but a sense of <laughs> pride yeah. when it gets to the end to see, you know, we've I done this. I would be, blooming heck, yeah. 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 You've mentioned reflection there and it's it's LGBTQ History Month this month. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that and, and why that is important? Yeah. So um, every February is LGBTQ plus History Month and um, it, it kind of started as an educational thing very much in schools to to try and bring more conversations around the history of um, the community at school level. Um, you know, we, we see the civil rights movement discussed at school. We see world wars, um, but we don't necessarily have the conversations around the fights that individuals from our community have had to go through over the years. So, for example, when we talk about the world war and particularly the Holocaust, mm. it's very rare that the conversation turns to gay or bisexual men who were persecuted just for being themselves. And also the trans people that were, you know, brought in in amongst that as well. Then you've got kind of um, the the lesbian side of of that story as well, which again is is really undocumented, um, and because it wasn't really documented back then, we don't really have the true statistics to say who from our community um, was persecuted or indeed lost their life through through that moment of time. Um, naturally, the Stonewall riots back in 1969, which is kind of seen as the catalyst of the, the Pride movement, um, you know, very much started by Marsha P. Johnson um, at the Stonewall Inn when the police raided and, you know, it's it's quoted that she threw the fr first brick and essentially said no more. Um, you know, that is quite heavily documented, but there's so many other moments of history that we do need to, to look yeah. at. Um, more recently, we've just seen It's a Sin, which has been on Channel 4, about yeah. um, the kind of AIDS crisis during the 80s and 90s. But again, we don't necessarily explore what did that mean for people? How did um, how were people treated? How were they um, kind of persecuted for, for who they were? It was a gay disease and, you know, it was brought upon us to, to cleanse, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but the thing is though there's been so much movement in um the kind of medical discoveries on how to treat hiv it's no longer a death sentence you know if you have an undetectable viral load it's untransmittable so there's so much more knowledge around the subject we again we need to look at that we quite often say with regards to history history was made decades ago but it's also made yesterday absolutely and there's things at the minute that the community are really fighting against we've got the gender recognition act which we've been trying to get reformed for quite some time because you know whilst it was brought into place it was good but it wasn't perfect you know people who are wanting to go through um kind of gender reassignment and and be identified by the gender they choose there's a lot of money that's involved in that process. They still have to have a medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria, but still non-binary people are not seen as a valid and legal identity. So, the, you know, history is still being made as every day moves on. I think one of the biggest things in reflection from 2020 as well was the BLM movement. And that really highlighted um, the, the struggles that queer people of colour still face today. And in fact, last year, obviously Pride events were cancelled throughout the, the, the UK and, and abroad. Um, and when London Pride was cancelled, there was actually a takeover of Black Trans Lives Matter um, kind of movement and, and they held a protest parade through the city, which would have been London Pride. And I think those are the key moments that we should be talking about as well, not just those from, like I say, decades ago. I completely agree. You know, I'm a bit of a history history geek, um, but I, I I'm more into sort of community history, yeah. and it's very yeah. I'm so interested in the idea that history isn't about well, it. I lie. It is about stuff that happened hundreds of years ago, yes. but we are making history. Yes. You know, we're making history every day, um, and particularly with the AIDS pandemic. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, it's a sin. It's un- unbelievable to think that. Yeah, that happened in my in my lifetime. You know, yeah. I was I was a toddler. I couldn't I didn't really remember it, but um, to think that it happened while I was alive is is really yeah, and yeah, we we need to be um, documenting history now while we can as a record for the future for people to hopefully hopefully learn from. Well, that's it because you know hist- history is there to be learned, so we don't make the same mistakes and we don't repeat. The, the kind of same um, issues or challenges that we've had in the past. It's to learn from and to move forward from. Yeah. You mentioned there that um, the last time you uh, you ran Pride was uh, uh, in 2019. Um, and before we recorded, we had a bit of a conversation about um, community resilience. Yes. And how the community are... Um, coping at this time, which, you know, the world is completely upside down at the minute. How are people um, coping without um, those big events that bring people together? Um, what are people doing? Yeah, so it, it, it's been really good to see right the way across the community, people coming together to support one another. I think um, people who aren't necessarily part of the LGBTQ plus community don't necessarily um appreciate or fully understand that this is the family we choose Mm. Um, many individuals when they um, fully understand their own identity whether that's sexual orientation or gender identity characteristics or expression um, they quite often are um, removed from their family unit from their family from from birth and you know 
pride events or community events run by smaller LGBTQ plus community groups are a sense of them being able to get access to support, make relationships um, and friendships and family kind of units. That's all gone. Um, Mm. And we've seen quite a few struggles where individuals are now um, suppressing their identity because they're back in a hostile environment. They're at risk of displacement or homelessness because of, you know, who they are, you know, kind of being forced back indoors. So there's also individuals where, you know, there's been a lot of documentation around domestic abuse as well. And that is also quite um, prevalent within the community as well. So what's been really important is individuals adapting. I mentioned that kind of earlier on and that yeah. adapts it's, it sounds awful, but adapt to survive um, using different forms of technology. Um, you know, a lot of um, people's services have been moved online. There's still challenges, unfortunately, about getting access. Um, some individuals don't have access to the Internet. They may not have access to mobile devices, etc. Um, we've got friends who work for a charity called Rainbow Homes. Um, they support asylum seekers who have fled their countries um, due to persecution of their gender or sexuality. Mm. And again, you know, there's struggles there around how do we support those individuals where actually that, you know, they are refugees. They don't necessarily have a mobile device. They don't have access to the Internet. They can't communicate. We still have court um, trials going on around, you know, granting asylum for these individuals but they can't necessarily get the technology to attend themselves. So there's, there's loads of struggles, but there is light. Um, there's light from community groups that have been really leading the way in terms of making sure that individuals are staying connected as best they can. There's, there's um, a, a wonderful group on Facebook, um, which is Northern Social Group, LGBT um, Northern Social Group. They do amazing work in making sure that individuals can continue to communicate with each other. And that group just continues to grow and go from strength to strength. I think that's one thing that's really kind of been brought to the fore, hasn't it, with this pandemic and um, society and and the population. There's so many different um, family unit setups. People's working lives are so varied. And I think, um, you know, the furlough scheme and things like that have been great. But there's perhaps been still that that gap, hasn't there, between, you know, children that have access to devices to be able to do their schoolwork and those that don't. And as you were saying, they're adults who don't have access to um, things to be able to, you know, connect with people. So it's great to hear that there are those charities out there helping them. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's loads of individuals that, um, that are just really going above and beyond. Um, individuals that are just, you know, kind of thrusting themselves in amongst this pandemic and saying, I, I want to do something different. Um, we've got a documentary series going on at the moment called Life in Lockdown, where we're capturing the stories of individuals who have, um, you know, been almost like either working through lockdown or change in career because of furlough or redundancy, etc. And many of the stories that we're finding by speaking to people from the community is, is that resilience and that want to do something. You know, we've had people that have gone from office work to creating face masks um, or PPE for, for NHS workers. Um, we've got individuals that are post workers and, you know, their, their life has changed because of how they have to do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, it's that element of resilience and perseverance to, to essentially say, I've got a job to do why I want to do something and I'm going to crack on and, and get it done. It's it's fabulous to see. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, you talked about um, 
there not being the Pride Parade last year. Um, what are your plans for this year? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, we, we've made the announcement that the event won't be going ahead again this year. Um, a heartbreaking decision, I'm not going to lie, um, because we know how important it is. We know how vital it is for a sense of community, for a sense of visibility, um, and for the protest element that still is vital in today's society. Um, but we have to take health and well-being um, at, you know, at the forefront of any decision right now, you know, we've taken a lot of the information that we've got available to us. Um, you know, we haven't made the decision alone. We've been making this decision with other members of the community, Public Health England, Newcastle City Council, etc. Um, and, you know, we, we just have to do what's right for people's health and well-being right now. We understand and appreciate that mental health will will take a hit. It's, it already has. It's yeah. your know, mental health is massively impacted right now. So we do have plans on on making sure that we still mark the occasion. So we're going back online, and we were, we did an online event which we um, pulled off within six weeks last year. Um, so we've got a bit more time to plan. You can um, do it. <laughs> we can do it. We've got you know we've got five months. I mean we've already started. Let's be honest. We've started planning. Um, so we've got about a good five months lead in where we'll be able to really look at the, the successes of last year, um, the improvements that we want to make, the learns that we had, and really kind of elevate and amplify what we do and, and how we deliver it. So we'll still be having this um, kind of day of, of mark and pride, which will be the 24th of July. Um, and we're currently just working through how we'll be broadcasting that. Because again, you know, I've mentioned there um, about people's access to the internet and devices. Last year, we we just broadcasted on uh, Facebook and YouTube, but we're looking at other avenues to make sure that as many people as we as we can get access to this, um, and, you know, whether that's on a mobile device, a laptop or, or other means, um, because it is important that people see themselves represented and hear stories of our community and, and feel part of that pride event. Um, but, you know, we're acutely aware that the, you know, the vaccine rollout is going incredibly well, um, fingers crossed. Um, you know, but we just don't know how many people would be vaccinated in July. However, at the end of the year, when hopefully, you know, all of the adults have had their first vaccination or, or whatever the case may be, we may be able to start looking at in-person events again. Yeah. So our plans at the moment are around who who needs our support the most and what can we do for, tho for those individuals at the end of the year when we're able to get them in a room together. So more information on that as it's available but hopefully you know autumn winter will be a lot brighter so watch this space and hopefully 2022 you'll be back with a big bang yes well as many people know we were awarded back in 2018 that's how long ago <laughs> um we were awarded in 2018 uk pride status for the city um so we had to put a bid in um it was voted for by members of the uk pride organizing network uh, and we won and that was to deliver it in 2020 um which obviously didn't happen so we were allowed to retain the status and move it into 21 um, and it, it's brilliant that the uh, organizer network are allowing us to retain that status until we physically deliver an event, which will now be 2022. Um, so I'm incredibly excited to to bring UK Pride to the Northeast. It, it will really highlight 
um, everything that the community does here in the Northeast, not just on the UK platform, not in Europe, but also global, uh, the eyes will very much be on us. So we'll be making sure that it is an event to remember, um, but also an event to really make some firm commitments on what we're doing for those individuals that are still um, being persecuted for who they are or, or receiving challenges from uh, elsewhere within the community or further afield. It's great to hear you speak so positively and passionately about that and, you know, wanting to make sure that that event happens. And I think it's something that Newcastle as a city is really good at, is putting on big events like Pride, yes. like the New Year's Eve parades that uh, used to run with the through the council at New Year's Eve and cult- lots of different cultural events. It just seems to be something that, yeah, Newcastle's just brilliant at. Yes, it's it's almost like it's our DNA now. Yeah. Um, we've we've kind of evolved over the years from pit villages, shipbuilding to now this cultural capital. Um, some of the other work that I'm involved in is the Newcastle Cultural Compact, where lots of cultural individuals are getting together to really look at how do we, you know, move forward our cultural offer and 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 put the northeast and newcastle on the map as a cultural destination which it already is but what how do we do that bigger how do we do that better and how do we you know make it um so appealing that when people jump on that east coast mainline they want to jump off at newcastle they want to go to theater they want to go to arts cultural events they want to go to the museums you name it this this is the place to be you've talked a lot about pride as as an organization what about yourself personally? Um, you know, this podcast is about happiness. Yes. Um, what does happiness mean to you, Steve? Um, it's a very good question. And obviously when we talked about doing this interview, I've been pondering on it quite a <laughs> good, bit. Good. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's really quite hard to kind of like pinpoint it to one or two things. It's almost like for me, you know, we, we quite often talk about happiness being a feeling. You know, I feel happy. I feel content. Um, and I think it, it it's what makes that feeling is almost what is happiness. Um, I mentioned my family before, you know, that that is vital to me. You know, going out sledging yesterday um, was the highlight of my day. That, that was happiness for me. Um, I'm not naive in the sense that, you know, you can find happiness in in every day in every moment especially during the pandemic um but i've got a tattoo on my wrist um which obviously your your listeners can't see um so i'll describe audio description forthcoming um it's essentially it's a hashtag and it's hashtag 100 and then a plus symbol at the end of it i i was going through a really tough time back in 2013 and it was at the same time that this kind of social media kind of campaign was launched, which was uh, 100 Days of Happiness. Um, and the purpose behind it was you you looked for something happy during the day and you took a photograph, you put it on your Instagram feed, tagged everything and, and everything. And, and, you know, that was kind of the campaign was to, to find the moments of happiness in every day. Um, and I did that in it was hard on some days there was there's days where it was just like nothing's going right today this isn't happening at work or that's not happening at home or you know this challenge or you know just a really mentally draining day um and i always remember one in particular where um i was just sitting in the house and you know it was a rubbish day um i'm keeping it pc it was rubbish um and I just happened to drop it into conversation via text message to my sister. Um, and then within about 
five minutes later, I got this this picture message, and it was my sister just pulling a ridiculous face. Um, and that was it. That, That's all that, you needed. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, I just I laughed. Um, it, it was funny. You know, she's a wonderful creature as it is, but just sending this random stupid picture was just made me giggle. And, you know, that was it. So when it came to the end of this 100 days and I did complete it, I did do every single day. Um, it was religious. It was ridiculous. Some days I posted twice because, you know, it was a good Ooh, day. Devil. <laughs> <laughs> I broke the rules. Um, but on the last on the last day, I went to a tattooist and I just said, I, I need this put on on me i'm covered in tattoos um but i need this somewhere visible where i'm going to be able to see it every single day and it sits on the inside of my wrist as a constant reminder that you know it can be the darkest gloomiest day but there could just be one thing and if you look for it you'll find it and you realize that that is a good moment that is something to be grateful for and that is something to to keep moving forward with you know and I would encourage anybody just to to do that if they're having a bad day, just to to look at what's happened throughout the day. It could be a TV program, it could be a, a bit of meal that they've had that they re- they really enjoyed, uh, sweet potato fries. You know that was a high. It can be so small, but it can also be the momentous things that people see. It could be family trips out. It could be speaking to somebody on the phone that they've not spoken to for a while. Um, it, there's things out there if you look for it. Um, and I do believe strongly that if you do that, then you'll find your own internal happiness and you'll wake up the next day and do it all again. I love that. That's brilliant. And if we were, if we were going to end the interview there, that would be the perfect way to end it. But I've still got a couple more questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned sweet potato fries. Can you remember any of the other things that were your hundred days of happiness? Can you remember um, some of the things? Yeah, so the, um, there was quite a, a few that obviously featured my daughter. Um, she she was very young at the time, as it was back in twenty thirteen. Um, but you know, I was working quite up and down the country, so um, a few of my highlights were seeing some friends that I know in London, and you know, having a beer with them after work. Um, it, the biggest thing really was family and friends that featured quite heavily. Um, I, I kind of took all the images and put them into one file so I could reflect on it. And, mm. you know, my daughter and, and family and friends were definitely the highlights. The highlights. Second was food for sure. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> a friend of mine, I think is, is doing it at the minute. I think um, every, every day I'm seeing a picture from it. And I remember doing it as well. I did the hundred days of happiness and some of them are starting to come back on my um, Facebook Without yes. wanting to name a social media channel, <laughs> um, but my my Facebook uh, memories are yes. reminding me of when I did the hundred happy days. So sometimes the algorithms show you things that you don't want to remember, but uh, yes. these 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 are good ones. So that's okay. <laughs> Do you have a happy place, Dee? Um. Yeah, as, as broad sweeping as it might sound, nature. To be mm-hmm. honest, um, yeah, we. Um, we live just off the River Weir and during this version of lockdown in particular, we made a commitment to ourselves that every Sunday we would just go for a walk and um, we would go down there and, you know, one day we turn left, one day we turn right, one day we go over this bridge first, then that bridge. Um, and it just, it's amazing the sights that you see. Sometimes you'll be on exactly the same path, but you see something different. Um, and, you know, 
water seems to be a kind of a theme at the moment for us, whether we're going to the river or we're going to the seaside, you know, we're incredibly fortunate here in the Northeast. You know, you can go in one direction and be in the woods and Mm. lost and it's stunning. Or you go in the other direction and you end up the coastline, which is stunning. Um, It was lockdown two, I'm going to say. Um, (laughs) We we made. Was this that dis- your favourite lockdown? <laughs> well, it was one of many. Um, we 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 said to ourselves like we wanted to go to Bambra. I'm I'm I love Bambra Beach. It's just stunning. And we said let's go for sunrise. So we we packed the car. We took um we took some um disposable barbecue, some sausages, bacon, buns, you name it. And we drove up uh, with a tiny windbreaker that did nothing because it was freezing. Um, but we just sat there and watched the sunrise. We had a we had a kind of mini full English breakfast on this little uh, disposable barbecue. And just it was it was just beautiful. It just took you away from the world. You kind of forgot where you were for a moment. Um, and like I say, it was kind of the best of both worlds for me. It was it, surrounded in nature, but the sound of, of water. Um, yeah, that, I would definitely say that's kind of my go-to place. And some good food. And some good food. There's always good food. There's a theme here, isn't there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are there any other ways that you try and maintain positive um, well-being? Um. I think for for me, it's you know I kind of touched on you're looking for for one small thing of happiness a day, and like I say, you know, surround myself in nature and going for those walks, etc. Um, sometimes that's not possible. Um, you know, sometimes we have to be confined in our house um, and stare at the brick walls and you know contemplate. And um, but I think for me, it's almost like we all should tr- just try and find something that we enjoy doing. Um, and whatever that may be in terms of, you know, a Netflix series, I'd, I'm still waiting to find somebody who's completed Netflix. Um, but I think, you know, I, I take quite a lot of um, joy in just messing around on designing and, and drawing. Um, I mentioned that I do photography as well. So I feel quite creative in that sense. And um, sometimes I just sit and create some weird designs that I might then kind of put online or, or whatever the case may be so it's kind of finding that that little hobby or something that can just take you away from the moment because I think sometimes um, again especially in the pandemic we we can get in ourselves we can we can get into our heads we can start going through the what ifs and the the scenarios of this that and the other and um, and sometimes that's not the best thing that's not productive that's um can you know it can spiral out of control and before you know it you you're thinking of the worst possible outcome of every situation so having something that just completely takes you away um from that moment could possibly be the best thing to do um i'm not the best drawer i know i'm not but i just find it fun uh, just, I, I never progressed yeah. past stick men <laughs> I'm not artistic at all I like crafting but art nah <laughs> yeah I, I think I'm very much a 2D kind of drawer um but yeah it's you know I, I quite enjoy just picking up a pen and doing a bit of doodling or like I say doing something on on the computer and doing some design work so I think there's there's definitely something for everybody to to get into um it's just finding out what that is but almost not not having that fear of you're going to be rubbish at it 
because it doesn't really matter. You know, if you're not if you're not going to do a painting to sell and to become the next landscape artist of the year on Sky Arts, then it doesn't really matter. It can be rubbish, but it just took you away from that moment. Um, so yeah, I would say that. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Um, we're kind of at the end now, Steve. Is there anything that you want to maybe give a shout out to? Is there um, is there social links um, or um, websites that people can go to if they're looking for support or events that you're putting on online? Uh, yeah, so everything with regards to Northern Pride, just do a search on social media at Northern Pride UK. All of our channels are under that handle, so you can find everything on there. Yeah, so if anybody like needs additional support or help, there's a pool of resources that are available online um, with our friends from Mesmac. So it's mesmacnewcastle.com. Naturally, a lot of the resources are on there for LGBTQ plus people, but, you know, some services it doesn't matter what your gender or sexuality yeah. is so there's loads of stuff on there um and yeah i think that that's probably it so the biggest thing for me would be talk that's that's probably my part and gift is is have a chat have a bit of banter with someone um you know it doesn't even need to be verbal does it you know whatsapp messaging um other platforms available um but just just talk to people and reach out um i think one of the the piece of advice that i was given once is that you don't you know if you're feeling down you don't need to reach out for help you don't necessarily need to send a message to someone saying i'm feeling a bit unhappy at the moment can you help all you need to do is just send a message saying how are you and just let the conversation flow you maybe don't even need to share um, what's going on with you, but you might have a conversation about Netflix documentaries or um, parish council Zoom meetings. Um, it doesn't <laughs> matter what it is, but it might just, again, take you away from that moment. So my biggest advice to anybody would just be reach out and start a conversation. Lovely. Well, thank you so much. We've had a lovely conversation this morning. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. that was Steve what did people think well you you kind of you kind of articulated it in the in the um in the interview actually because there was a lot in common with what Steve was talking about what Ali had been talking about a couple of weeks ago you know all these kind of sort of massive joyful events and but also thinking about kind of the amount of effort that goes into to kind of making these things happen you know and in, yeah. in, in the way that they do it's just it's just remarkable um, how it all happens and I, I just kind of got to thinking can you imagine what it's going to be like the first um, Pride event after lockdown? Mm. Uh, just when everybody kind of comes together and it's like, you know, this massive celebration of finally, finally being able to kind of be together and, and celebrate celebrate all this stuff. It's just, it's going to be awesome. It is really going yeah. to be great. Can't wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there was something else he was talking about as well. And it was kind of dealing with, you know, stress and anxiety it was kind of t towards the end of the interview and it sort of made me think about because he was you know thinking about kind of you know getting all stuck with the what ifs and worrying about kind of what might happen if the conversation goes this particular way what happens if that happens and and, and trying to break out of that and i remember uh, it was actually when i was i was in counseling for for something similar and uh, having a real epiphany when the counselor said to me you, know, you spend a lot of time thinking about kind of um, there and then 
when actually you should be focusing on sort of here and now. So what what what's in the minute? What can you do right now? Or what does it feel like to be right here rather than sort of there and then sort of thinking about the past or thinking about the future, just kind of focus on the now. And that's that's yeah. something which I find particularly helpful and helps me with my with my well-being and my happiness. Yeah. But uh, it was nice mm-hmm. hearing, hearing Steve talk yeah. about his experiences with that as well. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that you you never actually think about that until someone says it? Yeah. And then, and then, because some that happened to me, mm-hmm. and it stayed. It it stays now, so I can stop and see what's happening now. Mm. It, it's mm. very interesting mm. how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was lovely when he said that. I had another thought um, when he was talking about History Month. You mentioned men in wartime situations. It struck me a couple of times in work that I've done over the last few years about people who are hiding something Mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, And it's not something that you you read about or, or think about too much. So he really brought that home when he raised that as a subject. I thought that was incredibly powerful. Uh-huh. There was there was two things that I really... Well, one thing is quite a light thing and the other is like uh, something else. But he mentioned sledging right at the start of the thing when he got <laughs> his door sledge. And it's surprising how fast you go as an adult on a sledge. I found that out to my own uh, cost as well. <laughs> yeah, I've been there too, yeah. yeah. I think, oh, this will be fun. This isn't fun. <laughs> I, I feel out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a serious mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the second one is I just had not realised how much work Northern Pride do other than the, uh, mm. the event itself. Mm-hmm. All the work that goes around that and surrounds it, all the good work, all the work around supporting people and supporting their rights it was mm-hmm. amazing. You know, I felt a, an overwhelming sense of pride that we've got people like Steve in mm-hmm. the Northeast as mm-hmm. well doing that work. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that interview. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was one other, one other thing that struck me right at the beginning when he was talking about the town moor. Mm-hmm. And having been involved with it, Usburn the week before, then to go to the other side of the city and talk about the town more. And then he mentioned the cows. <laughs> <laughs> and in in the very early days of lockdown, I had to go to the, well, I didn't have to go, but I went to the, uh, the, the blood transfusion centre on Barrack Road. And I walked around through the, the town more. And I know exactly what he means because it's huge. Mm. And then the cows stop following you along. <laughs> and you, you could be anywhere. And, and the panorama, you talked about the, the panorama of, of the city and it was just amazing. So I just loved hearing him talk about that in, in addition to the sledging. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question about that sledging hill on the moor? Is that a fake hill? That is, that is, that's a hill that's made out of the stuff that they dug out of the uh, the motorway when they put that around the city centre. Is that right? Ooh. Is it? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just thought Maybe. there was a Viking longboat in there. And <laughs> you've been watching the dig, haven't you? <laughs> Is this a challenge, Chris, that we'll have to go and find this out? Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe somebody could write in, you know, send us a letter. <laughs> write in! <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for your time for that interview. It was great talking to you. So, yeah, thank you very much. 
If you've been inspired by this podcast episode, then we'd love to hear from you. We love hearing your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you. You can get in touch via email, hello at thegeordieguidetohappiness.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Geordie Guide, or on Facebook, The Geordie Guide to Happiness. As always, I want to give a shout out to our funders. This project wouldn't be possible without support from the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund at the Community Foundation. So thank you so much for your support. Yes, thank you. Next week, we have Ashley Lowe and Azim Ahmad from the NUFC Foundation Be a Game Changer programme, which aims to encourage people across Newcastle to talk openly about mental health and to provide tips on how to improve your physical and mental well-being. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So you'll hear me ask them questions like this. So when you think of the word happiness, um, what, what comes to mind for the two of you? And then give answers like this. Um, for me, it's being content. So not necessarily, um, you know, feeling on top of the world and that amazing's happened. It's being content and just being happy with the, the everyday things. Um, mm. And I think that's really important to kind of not be striving to, you know, feel absolutely amazing all the time because you will have ups and you will have downs. But for me, being being content is, is I think, is really important. We we did some workshops with Chili Studios in Newcastle, which work with people with mental health issues, and they used a similar um, word to kind of describe, you know, rather than happiness, contentment. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting that you've used that word as well. Thanks, Ashley. What about you, Azim? I think that contentment is a really, really, really good way of describing it. So um, I think, you know, happiness is, you know, you don't necessarily have to nothing you know not everything has to be going right for you to be happy you know we can be the world at the moment is a pretty grim place and there's not a lot of joy but you can still be happy within that and I think part of that is if you're content with the things that are immediately around you so we can't change the wider world and in you know create your own little bubble and you know manage what's within that and that's that's kind of where i feel at the moment where i know that yeah stuff is rubbish in the wider world but in my little world in my little bubble the things that i can control you know things are good at the moment so i know that if if something you know there could be a knock or two but does that massively affect everything else probably not and that's where i'm at with my happiness um but i think to be happy you also need to be able to acknowledge when you're sad because mm. it's having that opposite feeling allows you to recognize when you are happy so we've reached the end of another episode we hope you've enjoyed listening to the geordie guide to happiness so far take care and see you all again next week for another episode mm-hmm.